Hey, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. Hope you're doing well. My guest today is Serge Dimitrijevic. Have you heard this fella play guitar? Man. Ariana Grande, Justin Timberlake, Kelly Clarkson, Hart, Aretha Franklin. They're just a few of the artists that have... uh, He's either played with or, or played on their music. He's also the guitarist in Earth, Wind & Fire. Yeah, that Earth, Wind & Fire. Do you remember? Um, yeah, no, anyway, sorry about that. He also has a band called Intergalactics with his mate Christian Attard. They are a indie electro-instrumental funk project. One of the coolest things around. Heaps of other stuff going on with Surge too, so let's check it out. Eh? This is episode 144 Serge Dimitrijevic, here we go. All right, I think we're rolling. Hey, you, Serge. What's going on, man? What's good? How are you, brother? I'm good, mate. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Um, so I'm in Sydney, and you're currently in LA. Yes, I am, mate. I'm, I'm back in LA uh, since the last time I saw you, which was probably just a couple of weeks ago, right? Was a couple of weeks. Yeah, we went went and watched um, Modern Art- Artifact, which is Daniel March's uh, band, Plat Lazy Bones, and and yeah, that's the first time we've met actually, and um, you know, I've obviously known. Um, a lot about you, but hadn't actually met you, and, and you know, didn't realise you were in town until you uh, until that troublemaker Joe Acaria walks in with <laughs> with you. So, um, but that was a good night. That yeah, we got to hang out out the back. Troublemakers up the back of the room, eh? Yeah, it was a top night. No, it was really good to meet you too, man. I've obviously um, heard your podcast, and like like I said, a lot of the fellas were talking about you, and especially the troublemaker Joe Acaria, as you said. So. <laughs> Um, it was good to finally put a face uh, to a name as well, you know. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. So, where in uh, where in where in LA are you based? I'm on the east side these days, man. I'm I'm on, in a place called um, Cypress Park, but it's okay. you know a lot of people. It's a very small area, but uh, it's right next to Mount Washington, uh, okay. which a lot of people probably recognise that area or Silver Lake, Echo Park. It's that sort of east side um, thing, yeah. Which is which is really nice. A little bit more chill than. You know, when I first got to the States and living on, like, the Hollywoods and all that sort of stuff, you know, so it's really, really nice and just chill. Okay, so when you when you first got to L.A., was, was that the plan, to sort of hit Hollywood and that sort of area? Did you have that sort of targeted? No, man, when I came to, uh, when I came to America, it was my first time, and I just, I planned on coming just for a holiday for, like, three weeks. Right. Um, then I ended up staying. I'm, I'm here 17 years later. So no, I had no plans, man. I had just plans to come and hang and, um, and then, you know, stuff happened and I ended stuff up moving here. So yeah. And then yeah. I just happened to sort of be, um, you know, a few of the fellas that were here that I knew that I started something with. One of them was living in Hollywood. So, um, that's where I that sort of started off right like there, you know, so. So we'll get into the whole, how things sort of happened over there in, in LA, but you know, what I, what, what I'd um, like to get in first is, you know, that I, I, before we hit record, I, I asked you how, how to pronounce your last name. So I'm going to give it another crack. So it's, it's Dimitrijevic. Dimitri. Yes, very good. Yeah. Okay. Dimitrijevic. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. 
Demetrogenic. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't worry, man. I, I have trouble spelling it too, man. It's fine. Yeah. I can spell. You know what? I can spell it fine. I can spell it fine. No, look, I apologise. But um, no worries. Yeah, right. Can I can I ask you about the the origin of the name and and we'll talk a little bit about your family and um, you know, and then sort of sure roll into how music came about and yeah. Well, I was born in Serbia, um, in a place called Panchevo. Uh, it's like near Belgrade, um, which is the main the main city there. I was it was Yugoslavia when I was born there, um, and now it's just Serbia. So um, yeah, I was born there. My parents migrated to Australia when I was one, and you know, young kids having a kid, they were like twenty two, twenty three, whatever, and they just grew on. You know, uh, dad had an uncle here um, doing some stuff, and at the time, you know, Australia was wanting people from overseas to come and migrate, and you know, establish the place and populate it. So. My parents did that, you know, didn't really, well, they didn't speak any English and they came with a one-year-old and, yeah, so that's how I got here and then, um, you know, going to school and all that sort of stuff. But um, but the good thing was my parents were always, you know, they were young, so they were just listening to a lot of music, always into music. No one plays in my family, like there's no musicians that I grew up with, you know, like dad or brother, my dad's brothers, uncles, all that sort of stuff. Um, so they were just big fans of music. So there was always music around, you know, people around hanging out parties. So I just grew up with just loving that vibe, you know, having, having all sorts of music out playing from Black Sabbath to Donna Summer and the, whatever it was at the time. And, you know, Kiss was my actual favorite group mm. when I, um, first really got into music. So I think that started from, you know, uh, my parents just playing so much stuff and eclectic stuff and, um, getting all of that. So, yeah, so that led me into um, being a massive fan of Kiss, painting my face and collecting all the stuff and, you know, painting my friends' faces and, you know, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. I was a massive fan, you know, tennis racket in front of the mirror and uh, all those fun things. But um, And then I, I got a guitar actually around that age, uh, but I was just very young and I was very shy and it's a really hard instrument, so I just – you know, I tried, but I just couldn't, I don't know, I just didn't feel like I could work it out. And then um, and then my parents got me like a little keyboard and that was cool because you could hit the notes, but I just didn't have that connection or something. You know, I was listening to Kiss, but they didn't have any keyboards in the band. So, um, you know, I was just trying to work that out. So, um, yeah, but the love for love for music or listening to music was there early on from, from the folks and then that sort of... Um, transpired into really loving like Prince was one of my favorites and you know still is my absolute favorite and Michael Jackson Madonna's um then I got into like all the rock stuff and and some 80s metal and all this sort of stuff so um that sort of kind of got me wanting to sort of play again I was in high school and there was a friend of mine that just bought a guitar and was taking lessons and you know we were all listening to the same stuff all guitar based rock music you know and um, and then, so we were, yeah, so he was doing that. He's like, man, you got to check out my new guitar, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, cool, let's do it. So we, we skipped school where we had sport, but we skipped that. So we went to the music store so he could show me this guitar and, um, you know, took it out as I can remember it was red and it just looked amazing, man. I was just like blown away. I wasn't even playing, but I just thought, wow, this, this thing just looks so cool, you know? Um, and then he started playing, he was taking lessons and he was starting, he was playing an ACDC song, Long Way to the Top. And, um, and I'm like, oh, that sounds great, man. That sounds great. And for some reason, I don't know why, I said, oh, can you show it to me? And he's like, yeah, sure. He showed it to me and I don't know what happened, man, but it just felt like all the planets aligned at once and the clouds parted and, you know, I ended up 
kind of just playing it and that feeling that I got was just like, I'm like, what the hell just happened, you know? So, you know, I come home and the next thing it's like, hey, guys, I want a guitar, you know? So mum was like, okay, who, who's got one now at school that you want to be like? <laughs> I said, no, I promise that there's my friend, but um, I just, there's, I just, you know, I really want to play. I know I had one before and, you know, but I really want to get into this thing and so, Anyway, so I ended up finding an, a, a friend that had an acoustic and I was like, dude, you got to sell me your acoustic if you're not playing it. But I think it was like 50 bucks or something, some Yamaha nylon nylon string. I wish I still had it. It would have been such a great thing to keep, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I got that and then, you know, I said to my parents, look, I, want, I really want to take this seriously. I want to take lessons, you know. And so I started doing that and, you know, then that just became, became that was it. I got the bug and it hasn't stopped, you know. Who were your early guitar teachers? I my first guitar teacher was a guy who I still I still keep in touch with. Um, he's he, you know we're still mates, and his name is Tony Svetkovsky. And um, I was learning in Hurstville. There was the guitar factory, which was a music store at the time, and um, I um, it was it was the closest one in my neighbourhood because I, I sort of ended up. Uh, in my sort of teenage years, early teens, sort of growing up in that area, going to high school in the area. So that was a logical thing. So I went there and he was really cool. He was just a few years older than me and long hair and it's just like cool dude. But he was he was fantastic. He was a big influence. And um, I kind of started off the right way, which I, I liked. Well, not, there's no right way, but for me it was the right way in the sense of like, um, you know, starting with learning actually to read music and scales yeah. and theory and all this sort of stuff that I really, really am into, have been into because of that. I just love that language of music and all the all the stuff that goes with it, you know. Um, so he was one and then there was another guitar teacher who was teaching there as well, a couple of teachers there. And then I got into university and went and studied music there for a few years. Um, and then, you know, I'm still studying and, I'll, and I'm a student for life, man, so... Um, you know, it's, a lot of it is just like listening to stuff, learning stuff and playing with people and all sorts of getting stuff from all sorts of instruments and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the influences and the teacher, uh, like I said, was Tony and it started from there. And, um, yeah, man, I'm so happy. It's still going, you know. That's cool. What What was the uni you went to? Yeah, I went to Wollongong. Wollongong Uni. Oh, Wollongong Uni. Okay, cool. Excellent. So what, what's, the, what's the basis of that course down there? Is it like a – Contemporary music course, or or was it a jazz type? Yeah, well, well, that's the thing, man. Uh, that's what I was trying to do. I, I was trying to. Uh, I did the auditions. You got to audition for all this stuff. Well, I don't know what it's like now, but back back when I finished high school, I had to audition for like the conservatorium and any other institute that was um, offering a music program. You had to audition, to, and you know, playing, written exams, oral exams, all that sort of stuff. Uh, the sad thing for me, I was really hoping to go to the conservatorium, which was like, as I had my, you know, I really wanted to do that. Um, I passed all the tests, but unfortunately at the time, my school, the high school that I went to, its overall ranking, I think the, the score was too low for them to accept me. What? And it was pretty, I was pretty bummed because, you know, they were like, yeah, because because from memory, there was a tertiary entrance rank after you did your HSC, which also, it was separate to HSC then. And then, and then what that meant was that, your overall school had a mark and then that affected your chances of going to certain tertiary um, uh, institutions. Wow. And so, yeah, it bummed me out. So that was, I know, it was the only reason I didn't get in. But, you know, like I said, I auditioned not just there, I auditioned for Wollongong and 
maybe one other place I can't remember. But it was only about two or three auditions, I think three. Um, and then, and then, like I said, I didn't get that because of that. And they, you know, they wrote me a letter, and you know, and um, I was pretty bummed. But anyway, but I got I got into the others, and I chose Wollongong. And I was wanting to go in to do jazz studies and all that sort of stuff. And they had a private program in, at the uh, Wollongong Uni there. They had a um, private program. But the thing that happened was once I got in, they stopped funding that program. So that wasn't available to me. And I was like, ah. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I know. I know. I was like, oh, well. But I got in. And so I thought, look, I'm going to make the most of it. And then I selected. I can't remember. I changed my major. But my major, my first major was music performance and, oh, God, it's a whole bunch of stuff, which was really cool. Um, and then the curriculum changed the second year. And I wasn't really happy how it was going and this and that, so I kind of did the second year. And then the third year, I mean, by the third year, I was really, I was really working a lot in the scene. So I was just kind of like, um, you know, what I was going to get as a degree, it just didn't align to where my path was and what I really felt like where my future would lie. But I did get so much out of being in school and just being immersed with kids every day, like me, just all about music and just that's all of it, it is 24-7, you know. So um, it was great. It was really cool. Mm. Oh, man, that's um... – Man, I'm giving you some long-winded uh, – long I love it. Um, I love it, bud. I love it. Um that's really interesting. That that about the whole t- school score. Like I, I've, I've never heard. I mean, you know, I, I, I have not been deep into education. <laughs> I was a, you know, I, I finished high school and well, this was this was in New Zealand in form six, which is about year eleven, I think it might be over there. That's that's when my schooling sort of ended. So I'm not sort of aware of tertiary or, or that kind of stuff, but. Um, yeah, news. It, that's news to me about how a school's overall score, especially if like, yeah, if you're a high achiever and you're at that school, like obviously you, you know, like you said, you um, you you got through the the exams and you you did everything yeah. that was required in the audition, but because your school had a ranking, you couldn't get in. I, I, man, it, it was totally it was totally paperwork and that and that's why they were bummed i was bummed it had nothing to do with my ability and it just basically was yep this is how it works and i think it was the first year that that this tertiary entrance rank things actually started um and i asked a friend of mine my best friend one of his kids just did his hsc and i asked him about this stuff and i said man do you guys still have this t he goes no it's called something else but it's now combined with your thing and it's like you know, it's an overall score now. It's, I, I can't remember how he explained it, but it yep. does sort of, it's kind of in effect. But I think when it started and when it was implemented was when I was doing my final year of year 12 in the HC. I think it was just implemented. So it was just like everyone was just by the, oh, no, this is the law. This is what we got to do. And I just think I fell through the cracks like that. But I'm not sure how um, in, in crucial it is now. I mean, you might have people that listen to this podcast that might know. Mm. But I, um, like I said, at the time, that, that was definitely a thing that affected that, um, me getting into there. But like I said, it was all good. But, you know, I worked out mm. in other ways. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that still happens, you know. Mm. Yeah, interesting. All right. So you started to get, get out there and play around the scene while you were, you know, studying. Obviously, you're meeting all these like-minded people, like you said. Um, yeah, what's some of those first sort of uh, – do you remember your first gig? you remember your first paying gig? My first paying gig, holy shit! 
<laughs> yes and no, kind of. Um, oh man, I, I couldn't remember the first one, but I can definitely remember the year I started. I mean, I was kind of in sort of original bands when I was in high school. You know what I mean? So we got some, we got paid, but it's, uh, it wasn't, you know, it was kind of an original thing. I didn't feel like I slipped into like working musician kind of, you know, session guy, all that touring guy until just after that band stopped. So I would say, and my first guitar teacher, Tony, was definitely um, uh, a guy there that helped me out because he was in a band and he was doing something else and they were, they needed a guitar player and I got thrown into that. But there was a few bands before that. So I'd say, man, you know, a uh, couple of years after I left high school, maybe a year after I left high school, I started sort of, you know. I mean, I was, like I said, I was already doing that with an originals band, but I'd say, yeah, sort of a year into being out of high school, I started sort of working it out, getting paid, and yeah. Okay. So I'm just looking at the stuff behind you in your studio there, and there's a picture of Hendrix on the wall. Oh, of course there is. Yeah. So when. It's, I'm just thinking about Hendrix now. So when did you first become aware of Hendrix and, and um, how deep did that deep dive go? And, and, yeah, tell me a little bit about your your Hendrix Hendrix experience. Man, so I would have heard Hendrix through my dad, you know. Like I said, there was a lot of music being played. My dad was into rock, so into rock, and, and Hendrix was definitely played. Um, I even remember being a kid. And my dad was pretty wild, and his his cousin who lived out of he was wild. You know, they got matching tattoos, whole whole stuff. But anyway, I remember as a kid, <clears throat> before I was playing, I must have been six, man, or seven. I, I can't even remember. But Pink Floyd released a movie called The Wall, right, which is to do with the album and all that sort of stuff. But they did a major movie, and I just remember going with my dad and my and my um, uncle, I'd say, his cousin. Um, and I'm sure they smoked some stuff before they went in, but I, I wouldn't have known. But anyway, we went and saw stuff like that. So, um, so between those two guys and that, the Hendrix thing would have happened, would have happened around that time. And I remember being, um, in, in, in primary school in Australia, I remember as a kid, we had school fates where they would put on a day, maybe on a Saturday, and then you'd be able to go into the school grounds and they'd be selling sweets and treats and, books and a whole bunch of stuff right and i was uh, as a young kid i, I had a, a turntable and speakers and that's how you know that's how we were listening to music at home and cassettes so i had a little collection of records from you know being a kiss fan my, my parents would buy me kiss records and i'll never forget i went to this school fate and you know parents gave me probably two bucks which you know you could buy 40 items at that <laughs> back in the day um so i'll never forget and i was going through records and i saw a Jimi hendrix live in the west I bought it. It was 20 cents. Um, it was a live album and I just lost my mind. I'm like, what the hell is, this? I mean, obviously I'd heard Hendrix, but then I, I had this record in my hands. I could look at him and I could just look at the, the names of the songs and it was just a whole experience. So that, that happened. Then, you know, I got into it. You can see on my left here, I've got prints in the bottom there too. Um, so, you know, those two guys are like, you know, my absolute heroes. But um, so, but the funny thing was, man, once I really got into guitar playing, I kind of didn't go through the Hendrix thing. I was kind of, um, believe it or not, I mean, I did. I went through the Prince thing, Michael Jackson, and all that. But I wasn't playing guitar at the time. But then when I started getting into the rock stuff, um, then I got uh, I listened and heard a guy called Ingve Malmsteen. I don't know if you're familiar. with Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, that blew, that absolutely blew my head. And that was the time when I started playing guitar. So then it was all about him. So unfortunately there was a period of Hendrix where I just sort of stopped and was into all these guys and into the playing and getting, you know, chops and really being able to be proficient at the instrument. I was really dedicated to just working on my technique, you know, all that sort of stuff, man. Yep. Uh, but then once I started teaching, um, I remember a student that was so heavily into Hendrix and he would, he would be bringing me songs to learn, sorry, for him to, for me to teach him. And, um, and then I'd, you know, it would be, it'd kind of be like, you know, I wouldn't be waste the lesson trying to learn it and show Then I'd, I'd spend the next, that week. And then the following week, he'd, I'd teach the song and so forth. But in that week that I would sort of have to sit down and go, oh, yeah, I've got to learn that song for this student, for that, you know, uh, the connection was like, oh, my God, that's right. Where have I been? Oh, then it just <laughs> it just blew my head again, blew my head away. I, I dug deep into every record. I mean, I'm the biggest fan. I know a bunch of, you know, it just changed my playing. You know, it definitely changed my playing because it was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is why he's Hendrix and so that's that's how I got back into it like I said it was a little period where it wasn't forgotten it just wasn't as um appreciated in my young young mind at the time but then like I said through teaching and and, and having to revisit that stuff and actually sit and learn stuff I was blown away man I was absolutely blown away and like I said and since then it's like he's just you know he's the one you know, he changed guitar playing, well, electric guitar playing forever in my eyes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Very good. Very good. Okay, let's get back to the uh, the gigging and that sort of stuff. Okay, so, yeah, you had the sort of high school bands, original bands and stuff like that. So when when and who, who were the people that you were starting to surround yourself with to get yourself into the Sydney scene and start doing gigs around town? And um, Because, yeah, that's that's how I sort of first – you know, heard about you and, and I've heard of, you know, a lot of people I've talked to on the podcast, you know, your name's come up a fair bit because okay. you, you were here. So, uh, do, I, do I owe them money? <laughs> no, just give it to me. I'll, I'll hand it on. <laughs> no worries, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So let's talk a little bit about the about your time in Sydney now. So Yeah, so like I said, um, after high school and stuff like that, and that original stuff that I was doing, man, was actually an established sort of metal band that I was playing with. Um, I really want to recognize that because it was was incredible to start with that because I was still in in high school and these guys were older than me and they've already been established, they've released music, they've been doing live gigs and some tours and stuff. So I was kind of in a cool little spot. So I'm in my high school uniform going to rehearsals and then they're going out with girls and doing their whole stuff. So it felt like a very professional act and we were rehearsing three nights a week, um, every week, regardless if there's gigs, no gigs, writing songs and, you know, money, this and that. So that was, like I said, I didn't want, I just wanted to acknowledge that because it was such an amazing time for me and I just felt like it really gave me a little bit of grounding as to being professional and what it takes and the dedication, you know what I mean? The dedication of just being in a band and, you know, that was, that's what I really loved about it because um, I just wanted that. And that's where my, that's how I was wired. And I think that's, it, it was great. So anyway, so um, I just wanted to, yeah, like just acknowledge that part. But, um, but yeah, so I, I started doing some gigs, like I said, through my teacher, Tony, passed some stuff on. But what I remember the most was, um, is that I wanted to surround myself with people that were, uh, what I thought were better than me as far as playing goes or have been doing it longer or have, you know, done some gigs or sessions or tours that I might have admired the artist or 
whatever it was, I was just hungry. I was really hungry. So I would, you know, want to surround myself with that. And when I wasn't playing, I would go to gigs to watch these legends, you know, who I, I was going to see um, and who I thought were, like, amazing and they were doing what I wanted to do and, you know, at that certain level and all this sort of stuff. So Sydney was fantastic, man. Um, for me in that sense where you could go out every night and watch five bands a night and you're watching the best musicians in Sydney or in Australia, depending if they're coming through or whatever, um, and you're just blown away. I was blown away, you know, every night, you know. And so my, my focus was to do that, was to try and surround myself with people that are doing things, you know, um, and... You know, and I remember also just trying to get out there to, you know, do free sessions for people, demos, you know, just to obviously build up my chops in that in that scene as well. So, you know, I, I did that, but I also had a little recording set up, so I would practice with that. And so I just well, I immersed myself in everything that I could, and I just really dedicated myself to, um, you know, being professional, learning the songs before the rehearsal and not at the rehearsal, um, <laughs> you know, and so just being prepared and, you know, trying to give my best and, you know, you learn along the way. Uh, there's bumps in the road and things you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have, you know, maybe said that. Nothing bad, but just how you just, I don't know, business-wise, oh, just things you learn by growing up, man. And um, and so, yeah, I, I found that I, that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to sort of be, be the guy that was um, doing a lot of gigs, um, sessions, uh, tours, all that sort of stuff. So I just wanted to surround myself and... Um, yeah, being in front of people that were doing that or get to meet them. And, you know, I remember going to gigs and then getting up to play or whatever it is, you know, just to sort of, um, yeah, be heard. You know, I just wanted to be heard, you know. And I don't have the best gift of the gab to sell myself and to tell you. I, 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 you know, even here in L.A., man, I'm not good at that stuff. I wish I was better. I'd probably have more work. <laughs> but um, I just I always knew that I just felt most comfortable if I could just play you know, just to get in, just jam and play and, you know, make that speak for itself and then hopefully everything else falls into place, you know. Just before we dive a little bit deeper into that, what you just mentioned something, that you just said something then about sort of having to, you know, not having the sort of gift of the gab to be able to sell yourself. Like, so being in LA, what's, how much of, how much of that is involved? Like, say for example, you get a mediocre style guitar player but he's fucking good talker he's got the best bio he's got the best picture and you put him up against someone he doesn't really talk that much um but's a mean player (laughs) how how does that kind of work i mean you would have been to auditions and that sort of thing and and seen all that sort of stuff firsthand so what's what sort of element or how much of the element is is that in la as compared to saying here in sydney well, the thing in the thing in I'll try and answer this in a couple of in a couple of answers, but I think unfortunately, unfortunately, in, in Australia, we've had and you would have heard about the tall poppy syndrome, and um, <laughs> it's a thing. It's yeah, it's yeah. real, and the, only, the the thing is, I I found it a way of like it's a challenge. You know what I mean? It's like okay, well, you know, you got to sort of rise to the top to be seen, heard, all that sort of stuff. But what I've realised from living in America is uh, the downside of that is it just doesn't encourage sometimes individuality or, you know, because you don't want to bring someone down that's trying something different. How do you, I mean, how do you get new artists? How do you get new art? How do you get 
stuff that's different. You know what I mean? I just find that's the double-edged sword. Like for me, I, I, I took it as a challenge um, to sort of push through that and go, I'm going to show you kind of thing. But also living here, uh, I've noticed that, you know, people here encourage individuality and you trying something different. They don't they don't try and put you in the, your place and, you know. So the gift of the gab thing, I think, has been I don't have one is because I've learned in Australia not to talk about myself or talk up about what I'm doing because, now nah, you're a wanker, mate. It's like that whole tall poppy thing, you know, where you can't be better than me kind of thing, which, like I said, that's okay. I don't need to talk. I'll just do the work, which is fine. That's it. Um, but over here, having that gift of the gab only gets you so far. It'll probably get you a foot in the door. But at the end of the day, man, and always, I don't care if you're in Australia or in America or anywhere in the world, at the end of the day, it's the plane. And obviously, you've got to be a cool person because, you know, doing any gig is like two hours of playing. Then the, the rest of the 22 hours, let's say if you're touring or whatever, it's hanging out and being cool. So there's a lot that goes with it. So, but the gift of the gab and talking yourself up thing, um, yeah, it's kind of, it doesn't get you the gig. It'll probably get you maybe a foot in the door because you're so comfortable and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, you know. But um, yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's a few other factors, I'd say, you know. Very good. All right. So back to Sydney. <laughs> I'm just leading up, trying to lead up to how you, you know, you you jumped on a plane and, and got over to the States. So, um, and then we'll talk about all that sort of stuff. So, all right. So, you know, you come out of high school, you're, you're out there now, you, you're, you're, um, you're meeting, like I said before, like-minded people, but you're going out and you're watching people play and, you know, surely you're starting to, to get into these circles of all these musicians, you know, based on the people you know now, obviously. Um, when when did the US start to pop into your head that it was time to go over there and check it out and have a hang? Well, I've been um, fortunate that I got to a point that I was very busy. I was doing, I was doing a lot of sessions, playing with all the big artists in Australia and, you know, doing gigs everywhere and stuff like that. Um, I was so fortunate, so grateful, and I got to a great point and I was like, um, like I said, uh, so happy, so grateful. There was so much work. I was one of the guys, you know, there's a whole bunch of us, but I, was, I, I felt like at that point when I was here, I was one of the guys that was fortunate to have a little bit of that top sort of tier work. Yep. Um, and then, I don't know, I just kind of felt myself being a little, I don't know, complacent or something. I was just like, why am I like feeling a little bit, I don't even know how to put it, but I'm like really excelled in my profession. I'm, I've got a great career. Um, things are going awesome. I like, I, I can't, I should, there's nothing for me to complain about. Absolutely nothing. I'm, you know, doing, like I said, playing with all the artists, TV stuff, tours, sessions. I'm like, what else? Like, it's like, there's, you know. Yep. So um, I, maybe I was just working a lot and stuff like that. So I thought, man, I need a little break. I was just had, you know, had so many tours back to back. We'll come home and this and that. And I just remember at one point I was like, man, I think I need a little vacay, a little vacation holiday just to sort of have a little break. And then um, I had a few buddies that were already kind of in L.A. And I was like, man, I've never been to the States. You know, I should go to the States. I'm like, man, it's, it's time I've been to Europe. I've been a whole bunch of stuff and toured elsewhere with some artists around the place. And I was like, man, I've never been to the States. And I'm like, oh. And, you know, some of the fellas that were here were like really close friends, you know. And um, so... So I was like, let me do that. I had like three weeks 
I thought, let me do three weeks. I was thinking of maybe going to Japan to catch another friend, but I thought, let me do three weeks there and just hang and, you know, and then I'll come back and then I had a, a year full of work and all that sort of stuff. And so uh, I got there and, or got here, I should say, yeah, to LA and I don't know, man, it just, I don't know, whatever was going on and the stuff I was just seeing and what my friends were involved in, I was like, man, this is so cool. It's a whole other energy um, you know, a whole other pace, you know, it's America, LA, all like, it's like I said, it's my first time. So it's all just so fresh and new, man. And, um, and so I just, you know, had an opportunity for me to sort of stay. And I was like, do you want to stay and hang? And I was like, why not? You know, so I wanted, I wanted a change. And so I did, I sort of decided to do that and, you know, pretty much gave up everything mm. that I was had happening in Australia and, um, yeah, moved over here, man. You mentioned the pace was different here, uh, over there. Sorry. So, what what do you mean by that? Oh, everything's a lot a lot quicker. Like people, when they want to do something, they're like, "Let's do it now. Let's get it done." And there's no, okay, so let's get together on Friday. We'll talk about it. and then next week we can. It's like no, we're, like we're talking about it now. That's that's it. It's it's you know. So, the pace of just everything being or everything happening is, I feel, a lot quicker. And I think that's also just due to a lot of lot more people, you know, yeah. in the place and, you know, it's just a cultural thing too, I think, you know. But over here I just felt like the pace was like, holy shit, you know, you've got to be, you got to be ready, you've got to be in there. And, and you know, I, I feel that till this day too, man. Like if I'm not, if I don't feel like I'm busy enough, I feel like, man, I'm not, I'm, I feel like I'm out of the loop or I'm not. <laughs> you know, uh, working same with, or whatever it same, is. So it's same, like, same with me, man. I think we might sort of think the same way. I, I've, I've got to be busy doing something. I have to have something going on. Otherwise, yeah, I just fall apart, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not here. <laughs> not here, bro. So yeah, man, that's the difference I find here is that, you know, and I think, like I said, it's a lot more people. And the, the culture's different, you know. We're a little bit, bit more laid back, which is fantastic and awesome. But that's just that's the pace of Australia. So when you come here, you definitely notice the thing where it's like, man, people want to get stuff done now, you know. So, which is cool. I like that, you know. Um, okay, so went over there initially for, for three weeks, you know, decided that you were going to stay, right? You would have had to make some calls back to – to some artists or whatever you had lined oh, up man. at home. <laughs> How tough was that? Oh yes. <laughs> and and it, you know, was was there? Any, you, don't have to, you don't have to name any names or anything, but was there any sort of pushback from any of those calls that you made? No. Or, or everyone's like, oh man, this is fantastic. Okay, good luck to you, Serge. Uh, I, I, man, to be honest with you, everyone was a bit shocked because I wasn't oh, really? talking about moving to the states or anything. I that was never. A, ever any conversation I've had with any friends or anybody or even a girlfriend at the time, whatever, I never had that talk. So for me, it was kind of like when I started making those calls, people were like shocked. They're like, you're joking, right? I'm like, ah, not really. Um, but yeah, I'm going to sort of give this thing. A, it's like, are you serious? Are you sure? Like, man, you're giving away or doing this and that. And I'm like, look, I know, I know, but uh, I just want to see where this goes kind of thing, you know? But so, there was never any resistance or anyone being mad. I think some people just didn't understand. Like I really didn't even understand to be honest with you, bro. I'm like, what the hell? But at the same time, I'm like, 
you know, like I told you, I felt a little complacent. So I thought this is maybe what I need just to shake things up a little bit, you know. So, and I always thought that, you know, what's the worst case scenario is to um, come back to beautiful Australia if that did, you know, didn't sort of fit into whatever. So yeah, I was like, you know, um, that was that's how it worked out for me, you know. So yeah, people just go, what the hell? Are you sure? Are you serious? But everyone kind of got it. But I think. You know, a couple of a couple of years in, people are still sort of going, "Well, he's still there. Are you still going <laughs> to be doing this thing?" And you know, mm. okay. So, how far into your stint there did you we, we, did you start working? Well, the you first went there, went there of for years, that. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that the first sort of few weeks is you're there for a vacation, and you know, you you saw all this. You know, you you were kind of starting to get hooked on the scene. When you sort of made that call that you weren't coming back, did you have work lined up there, or did you sort were you kind of, you know, backing a bit of a uh, bit of savings to sort of get you along, or did you have something lined up? Well, no, I didn't have anything lined up. I, um, like I said, I got over here, and then the guys that I was hanging with had an originals band, and they just couldn't work out a guitar player. You know, they just were trying all these people and. I'd already worked with these guys so much back in Australia and we had a really good thing when we played together. So it all made sense, man. I just wanted to change. So the first few years were, were spent on being an original band. So um, not 2007, 2008, 2009, all of, those, all of that time, I'd say the three years were spent on working on two different projects that were original bands that um one of them got to a really good point but you know there's a whole other story but um it was yeah that was that was the focus so i had some savings <laughs> um but like not much but then you know the aussie dollar this and that i blew through that very quickly and not from mm. being stupid just because there wasn't much and also um i had to live and i wasn't throwing myself out there as like a session touring guy i was there doing an original thing i was in a band you know so I kind of felt like I wanted to do that because I think I maybe, you know, like for the for the ten years before that in Australia, I was already doing you know all the touring sessions, gigs, TV stuff, radio, all that stuff. I've been doing that for a long time, for about ten years, and I just thought maybe that I just needed a break from that type of um, career or musical path or whatever you want to call it. So this was really fresh to me, you know, and I always had bands and did things and write music and had studios and record. I still do it now. I mean, this is some of my guitars, but I've got a whole bunch of stuff here. Anyway, so that was what what I did for those first few years was just dedicated to that. And then once that sort of hit a wall, um, you know, at the end of 2009 or around the middle of 2009, um, I was kind of like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay here? Because that original stuff was falling apart all that sort of shit. And I was trying to get some work because I, I had to eat. <laughs> so I was trying to get some gigs and I was doing this, that sort of stuff. So I kind of was just like, okay, what am I going to do, man? Am I going to go back or am I going to stay? But I've been here for three years now and, you know, let's. and I've started to sort of get some work and I did a couple of sessions and I'm like, okay, let me just, let me now focus and be into that, what I was doing back in Australia, you know, touring guy, session guy, playing gigs around town and all that sort of stuff. So, I kind of dedicated myself to going down that route and um, uh, and then I, I found myself doing a lot of church gigs over here and getting into that gospel scene. And so I did that for many years, man, you know. So and um, so that was that transition. So really 
I um, started really pursuing kind of the capacity of like what I got into and what I've been doing probably about three years into being in America. So I, I'd say end of 2009, 2010 is when I started you know, really focusing on that and not, not having these original things that I was doing. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about Earth, Wind and Fire. Um, for people that don't know, and there, would, there, wouldn't be, there wouldn't be too many, but uh, Serge plays guitar and Earth, Wind and Fire, right? Yes, that Earth, Wind and Fire. Um, tell me how that gig came about, man. Where, where were you? <laughs> how'd, yeah, how did it happen? Well, as I just mentioned, I was doing a lot of, I was immersed in this um, gospel scene, you know, doing church gigs on Sundays and doing albums, live DVDs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so I was, I was getting around and playing in that scene a lot. And then I got my, um, I got a church that I finally could just have my own chair. That was like my gig. And so I started doing that and, you know, that was like my, that was keeping me alive, man. At some points, you know, just income and working and, um, you know, it was kind of like from that I'd meet a lot of musicians that were playing in the scene as well. So I realized that all the, all the guys that do the church stuff, um, they also do a lot of the cool gigs in LA and touring, um, acts and sessions and this and that. So through, um, through, you know, being immersed in that and then starting to slowly get work and stuff like that. I started getting around town and getting around the scene in LA and all this sort of stuff. And then, and I started working with a whole bunch of other artists and did started doing some tours. Um, but to answer you how I got the Earth, Wind & Fire thing was I, I finally had, like I said, a church where I was playing. That was my gig every Sunday and all that sort of stuff and throughout the year, whatever else we had to do. And, uh, you know, we have all sorts of people um, that come to the, to the services. So I'll never forget I finished playing the service and um, – and, you know, there's kids there and stuff like that. And this young little fella ran up to me. He must have been about three at the time. Uh, ran up to me and he came up to me and he was like strumming the guitar. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you want to play? And his dad came up saying, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, it's okay, cool. You know, I'd love to encourage him, whatever. So that happened a couple of times. And then, and then long story short, that same guy whose kid came up to me, he ended up sort of, coming in and playing a couple of services and I heard him playing. I'm like, man, this guy's he's not just a weekend warrior. He's, he's, a, he's a, this is another level. Right. Um, and so, you know, we started talking, I'm like, who do you work for? And he's like, man, I play for, uh, you know, I'm the musical director for earth, wind and fire. I'm like, no way. I said, bro, that's my favorite band in the world. Like you have no idea, you know? So, and I'm like, Oh great. You've got to let me know when you guys are playing, blah, blah, blah. So long story short, he, um, he hired me for a session. I ended up doing a session or two for him. And, you know, this went on for a couple of years. I was already touring, doing some other stuff with other bands. I was, so sometimes I wasn't at church because I'd be on the road and I'd come in. And then 2014, um, it was March. I'll never forget. I came in. I was on the road, came off the road and came into church. It was a Thursday night rehearsal. That was the thing. We had Thursday nights rehearsal. Sundays we had the two services. Um, and he happened to be there. His name's Myron McKinley. And so he happened to be there. And I'm like, oh, good to see you, man. How you been? I just got off the road. How's, you know, you've been busy? Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, And so he asked me, he said, what are you doing on Monday? Um, this was a Thursday. So what are you doing Monday? I said, oh, man, not much. What's going on? He said, oh, Earth, Wind & Fire are doing a record. Uh, need you to come in for a day to help with some pre-production. 
man, I, I don't know. Well, I think I had some stuff on, but I made sure that I was free. <laughs> ended up, anyway, ended up doing the pre, ended up doing that pre-production day. Um, you know, and like I said, Earth, Wind and Fire is, and still is, has been my favorite band of all time. Um, I mean, how could you not love the music and the catalog? So I've studied this stuff since a kid and Al McKay and Johnny Graham and all the guys that have been in their role. And, um, I, I've worshipped these guys, man. Steve Lukather on some of the records. I mean, it's just like it, it's amazing stuff. So I, I was kind of like, yeah, well, I kind of know the music. I've played it in a million cover bands, um, all that sort of stuff, you know. So I kind of felt like, yeah, okay. So I did the first day and they were really cool. So they're like, hey, come in for the next, you know, the next day. I'm like, of course. And so that turned up, turned out in being come for the rest of the week. And then that turned into being, well, seeing as though you're, you know, you did this all this pre-production and it was feeling good, like, why don't you do the album? And, you know, I was freaking, I was like, I didn't expect, I expected just that one day. Like, that was all I expected. But now to do the album, I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing, man. And so anyway, long story short, did the record. Uh, we all did it. We did it live and then, you know, some overdubs and stuff like that, the usual crap. Um, and then, you know, uh, I think it was the last day. We had seven days. It's the last day and we already finished, but, you know, we wanted to go in just to see if there was anything else that we needed to do or fix up or whatever. And um, and then Verdine White, the bass player, um, he pulls me. He said, hey, can I speak to you for a second? I'm like, yeah, sure. So he pulls me into a room. And um, anyway, long story short, basically asked me, would I like to roll with them? You know, and um, of course, I didn't even hesitate, and I said yes. In, in those, sorry, <laughs> so, in those words, in those words, in those words, like he, in those words, he's like, "Hey, man, would you do you want to roll with us?" You know, he, he said, oh, he said, what have you got on this summer, um, which was you know in the next month or whatever." So he goes, "What have you got on in, in, in the next summer?" And I already had, a, I actually already had tours throughout the summer, and he um, <laughs> with, with with Sugar Ray, who I was playing with at the time. And I said, ah, oh, he's like, oh, um, yeah, uh, what are you doing this summer and do you want to roll with us? And I was like, yeah, man, of course, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so he goes, cool. He goes, look, it's just, you know, just come and roll with us and we'll see how we go from there. I'm like, absolutely, man. So um, so that's how I how, it's how I got my foot in the door, man. And that's awesome. So you, are you still auditioning for them or? <laughs> <laughs> I, you, I feel like you're still I'm still <laughs> This is my, um, I'm coming up to 10 years now, so I'm hoping that I'm still not auditioning, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. So that, that album you played on, so that was, that would have been, was that Holiday? It's the whole Holiday record, yes. It's the only Christmas record they've ever done in their career. So, yeah, right. Um, right. Uh, yeah, so I happen to be part of that. So, yeah, that's, um, that's the record that I'm on, yeah. Holiday, Holiday record, yeah. That's awesome. So has there been any... Any recordings since then, or they have you just stopped making albums now? Well, I mean, there has been. Well, there's always been talk of getting in the studio and doing some new stuff, um, but there's been so much stuff that we've recorded um, for, like, movies and uh, a whole bunch of stuff that we've gone in and redone, you know, some of the classic songs, but we've done them now for whatever they need for, um, so like I said, for film. Like, we did Trolls, the movie Trolls. Um, which is Justin Timberlake and a whole bunch of stuff. So that that just was phenomenal to do, you know, record with them and do all that. So there's been stuff like that, recording on people's projects, like we've, we've done um, where we go in as a band um, and then we record like Kelly Clarkson and a whole bunch of other artists that use 
like you know it's like featuring Earth, Wind, and Fires, but we we, you know, we play we play on the whole the whole track and. Um, there's been a whole bunch of stuff like that, but since that record, man, no, I haven't been involved in any of the like new sort of EWF stuff. But I know there's um, stuff flying around, and um, hopefully there might be another another record coming out, which you know I'd love to be involved in that, of course. So, but I do a lot of stuff with Verdine, um and John, the drummer from EWF. We do a lot of sessions, a lot of gigs together, a lot of um, projects. Um, so, and I, I get a lot of support from them. They come to a lot of intergalactic gigs, you know, my, my group that I have and stuff. So I do, apart from just doing that, we, we have a thing that we do outside of that and we work a lot, you know, doing that. So always in the studio with those guys, you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool, man. All right. I, let, now, see, so you sent me, you sent me a bit of a, um, discography of stuff that you've done. So I've just gone through and, and highlighted a few things, right? So. No worries. So the the Justin Timberlake thing, right? So that was was that for the for the Trolls movie, and which Trolls movie was that? The first one. The first, the very one. first one. Okay, great. Yeah, so that was with him, that was with him and the producer Timberland, Timberland. You know. Yep, yep, yep. So we ended up doing it here in um in Hollywood in a, in a private studio, and they were both there, and you know we tracked that stuff live. And we even got Larry Dunn, the original, or one of the original keyboarders from Earth, Wind & Fire, came in and played on that because we did a version of September that's in the movie where Justin sings on it as well and um, the female lead in that as well. I can't remember her name, man, but she's, oh, um, she's a big actress and she's yeah, oh, she's the she's the head, one of the lead voices. Yeah, I, I can picture her face. I just, um, her name. She plays me. Poppy. She plays Poppy in the Yes. Oh, man, what's Yeah, that? so so. So they they were there. So that was for that movie, and, and and then they had to sing that stuff. But I got to spend a couple of days there because we went in the first day. We went in there. We laid our stuff down. That was done in like five minutes. Um, and then I just got to hang. You know, I got to hang with Justin and and, and uh, listen to me. <laughs> like he's my mate. Um, I got to hang with Justin Timberlake and Timberland, <laughs> and we got to hang in there. And then I got to um, also just watch them work. You know, which was so beautiful, man. And you know, and just have conversations with you know, just sitting with him on the lounge and just talk. Because I'm a fan of Justin Timberlake, so I love his records, man. And yeah, yeah, obviously Timberland, I'm a big fan of his productions, going back from Missy Elliott and all the stuff, Aaliyah, you know, you name it, man. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of the records and his solo stuff. So um, so I got to ask some questions and then I got to, you know, then he was telling me, he goes, check this out, man, this is how we, you know, we, we come up with tracks. And then there's Timberland, you know, beatboxing, creating. It was just, it was fantastic and and just the camaraderie they have uh, with each other as well. And they were the most respectful, most coolest guys ever, you know what I mean? And, and um, yeah, so that was, that was, that was an, uh, a really great thing for me just to be around that too and just to see how those guys work at that level, you know, how they, how they kind of create as well. And it's no different to anyone else, man. Everyone's got their method. But um, it was just awesome to be in the room with people like that, you know. You've got heart here as well. Yes, I played with heart. Yes, um, my brother Christian Attard, who who was one of the guys that was here that I moved over, yep. um, kind of almost with and for, um, and then um, he he and we've got our band to get as well into Galactics, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yep. he's my bestie. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been friends for over twenty plus years. Um, he's an amazing, amazing bass player, musician all around, and you know, top guy. Um, and so he he scored the gig 
um, with heart because the guys we had we had the, when we had this original project together and we had these three guys managing us who run this amazing studio and one of the guys who's an Aussie guy Rick Markman um, he he was playing for heart he was the bass player for heart but he had to kind of pull out because his um, the studio that, that, that they run is a, a TV and film um, production studio they work a lot and only on um, uh, TV and film so they were getting a lot of work so he had to kind of bail out and you know we were obviously on their radar because they were managing us and stuff like that so he naturally got Christian in an audition and he got it and so Christian was off doing hard while we had our original bands and then um, and then that finished and he kept doing it and then what happened was Hart and Def Leppard were on tour doing a tour around the States and Nancy Wilson broke her wrist they had a little gap in the in, in the tour, and, and she broke her wrist, and they needed someone. And um, and I don't think it was through Christian. It was through another guy called Mike Inez, who used to play in Heart, who I grew up watching him play for Ozzy Osbourne, um, but who now has been the basis for Alice in Chains since the mid-'90s, and he's a member of Alice in Chains. So he was a friend. Um, and so he recommended me for Heart, and so... Um, and then he obviously mentioned that um, I know Christian and then we're besties and then Christian obviously vouched for me. So uh, they wanted me to, um, to to fill in for her, but they wanted me to do a quick recording of me playing, you know, um, uh, I think it was Barracuda and it was, um, what's the one with it's all, uh, it's acoustic guitar. Magic Man or something. I can't remember anyway. It's been a minute. So anyway, so I did that, got the gig, and then next minute I'm on the tour bus with Christian and we're touring the we're touring America, playing in the same band with Heart, who's a legendary band who <laughs> I'm a fan of and I grew up listening to. Um, and now I'm on stage with them. There's Ann Wilson singing, you know, Nancy Wilson on stage, and my best friend Christian's on bass. We're rocking out, and I'm just going, "This is the best." And and then you know we're on tour together, same tour bus, and um, I was only supposed to do maybe a couple of weeks, but I ended up doing a month. Um, and yeah, so I'm really good friends still with a lot of the crew guys and the uh, production guys there. And, um, I bump into them on, on other festivals cause they work now with like journey and a whole bunch of stuff. So it's really great. I still have that, um, thing. I'm friends with all everyone that I worked with on that tour, but that's how I got that gig, man. And then there was a few times over the years that I was called to, to sort of be on standby to, um, to jump up again and do it, but it, it never transpired again. But if it ever did, man, I'd do it in a heartbeat. You know? So so that's how that came about. And I ended up, like I said, I did play with them and it was probably for about a month, I'd say. Yeah, I was on tour with them, you know. So it was killer. I had the best time, man. It was the best, you know. <laughs> that's great, man. <laughs> you got a big smile on your face when you're telling that story. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, man, it's great. just like I'm just that's thinking back, guy. Like what are the chances that, uh, you know, then yeah, you're yeah. there with your best mate as well. Both Aussies having yeah. the same experience, like it's just killer. You know, I was just so happy and grateful and fortunate that that, that could happen. You know, that's cool. All right, the next one, um, Ariana Grande. My obviously my my daughter is a big Ariana Grande fan, and um, yeah, before I before I ask you about that that story and that gig, um, you know, I've uh, when I see sort of celebrities on on TV or in books and magazines and that kind of stuff, I always I always wonder how tall they are. That's that's the thing I've got right. So I'll Google and I'll see how tall someone is. And anyway, yesterday me and my family we went into town and we went to the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, which is the first time I'd ever been there. Right, and in there is a wax 
wax figure of Ariana Grande. And what what they say what they say when they make these wax figures is that you know because people ask, is it their actual size, right? And they said, well, apparently not. They make them five percent bigger because they they melt and shrink, right? Oh, the time, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, right. I went and stood next to the Ariana Grande figure there, and she's got high heels, and man, she's tiny. She's really short, you know. So anyway, that's um, that's my story. So yeah, anyway, so you tell me about tell me about playing with her, and and you played on an album, didn't you? Yep. Well, that that's that's the connection, yeah, Stevie. I never got to meet her. Okay, um, I just got to play. I, I got to yeah, I got to play on her first record. So there's a track I'm on. Uh, man, I can't remember. You got something. I can't remember what it is, mate. Um, but anyway, I played on that record. But how how that came about was I was. I was um, the in-house sort of session guy, guitarist for Babyface's studio. Um, oh, yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, so before I uh, started uh, with Earth, Me and Fire, I ended up playing, um, doing all the sessions there for a couple of years uh, through some, like I said, through playing. You would have seen some amazing talent come through there. Wow, man, what a gig. That's great. Well, not, yeah, not, not always, man, because the thing is, it's like, you know, they, where I was working, it's called Brandon's Way. That's, that's his studio. Um, and it's basically a, a production house, a production studio. So I, when I was going in to do sessions, um, I was going in to just do sessions. So I never really worked with the artist. They kind of written the songs. And now they were producing them up, you know what I mean? And they were doing okay. that for a lot of people. That's how I got the Aretha Franklin, um, uh, Ariana Grande. It was through the same studio, but I never worked with the artist in, in okay. front of me. I just was happened to be on, on the actual session because, um, yeah, it was just, like I said, uh, Brandon, uh, the ba- Babyface studio, they were, they were, like I said, writing. They had great, they had great, it's a great studio, amazing, like top of the line um studios you know but the thing was they're not it's not a commercial place they just like i said they do the writing um and production and then you know for big artists and stuff like that or they or they develop new artists and i think that was a it was her first album so i think they did maybe half the record man i'm pretty sure they did they did a bit of it so um so yeah so that's how i got the uh, arena grande it was just through just doing a session it wasn't i didn't actually play for her live do you get the credit on the album yeah, I, that's. I think it's out there, like um, on Discogs or whatever the thing is. I did remember seeing it once because someone wanted some info, and I did have a look, and I'm like, oh, okay, they put that one up there. So there's a couple of, I think the Aretha one, that one, and a whole bunch of stuff. But um, yeah, that it was definitely up there. So I don't know because they don't do liner notes anymore, man. So I don't know no, where no, that that's right. pops up if you if you look L- for it. But it's I, L- I, a lot of memory, the, you I know, know I, I, I find a lot of those. I find Wikipedia is the place to go now to find the. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, because I think what yeah, there's discogs, there's all music, um, you know, and then but yeah, if I if I'm sort of like when I was you know doing some research to you for you today, you know, I for the Earth, Wind, and Fire stuff, it, you know, Wikipedia, it's got all the albums, it's got track listings, oh, wow, yeah. pers- personnel, you know, it's yeah, that that that, that seems okay. to be where uh, where a lot of that stuff is now. So um. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about let's talk about um, intergalactics now. So, yeah, for people that don't know what intergalactics is, it's Surgeon Christians. What would we call it? It's funk, man. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's fuck. I love it. Yeah, it's evolved a little bit. It's yeah, it's indie, definitely. Was that something you guys started 
sort of way, way back early days when you were first in LA or is that something that's sort of a project that's come, you know, fairly recently? Well, we, um, we were, like I said, when I first moved over, um, 2007, Christian and I had these bands that we were doing original brands and that we were working with that, that kind of fell apart. And, um, you know, I, I, I was kind of a little bit bummed and just anyway, trying to work my way. Um, as to what I was going to do, all this sort of stuff. Christian was just working, just started doing his heart stuff. So he was doing his thing. Um, and everywhere we kind of lived, we kind of lived close to each other. You know what I mean? We're always sort of close to each other. Even now we're like five, 10 minutes away, always, always really next to each other. And then, um, we were like, you know, hang, we were hanging out, of course, and just jamming and doing a little bit of production for some, some people, you know, we we're just sort of doing, doing that sort of thing. And then we were like, man, like, being in a band is so hard sometimes because you got four people or more and you got to do all that. So we were just like, man, we had this cool thing with the production stuff that we were doing. So we're like, why don't we do our own shit, man? And just like, you know, um, we're still working together. Like we're, we're creating music, but we're doing it for other people or this and that. Um, so it's, it was 10 years ago, I think, maybe, maybe 2013. So maybe, yeah, 11. Uh, but we just started doing tracks and then, um, we spent 2013 doing that, and um, and we had we got an agent. Uh, we did that, and so um, I think we had did we have management. No, I didn't think we had management then. So anyway, we had we got an agent. We wrote all this stuff. We released it, and then we started touring. Man, we actually started doing our own tours, festivals, and um, doing all that sort of stuff. So um, that's how that came about. It came about because we'd already been working together for 20 plus years. Um, and then we're best friends and we're already making music and it was just like natural to just put it all together. And, you know, so the name thing's always a hard one. So we had a whole bunch of names thrown around, but <laughs> Intergalactics was the working title and we just kind of went with that, man, you know. So. Do you find, do you find with that name, because I think peop, when you hear the, hear the name Intergalactics straight away, unless you see how the name is spelt, people are going to type it in as, you know, G A L A C T I C. I know, I know. It's one of it's one of it's it's one of those names where you could, you know, people go and look for you and they can't find you. Oh, I can't find you, mate. So you. Know. Nah, I know, man. So that's why we've we've been we've been shortening it to IGX. Ah, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. So, that, right. that's very so cool. we sort of tag IGX, but the thing is, it's like you know, you'll you'll see it, and the thing is, there's a lot of people like, oh, Beastie Boys, you know. And it's like, well, well, no, that's a great song, but it's not anything to do with the Beastie Boys. We we were kind of like, um, I'm a massive UFO guy, man. Like I've been into this stuff since I was like seven, so I am beyond into the whole thing. So, and we're both into a little bit of space stuff like that. So, so it was kind of like just throwing out out names, and, and like I said, the first um, images of, of when we started and the artwork that we were doing was all sort of like, you know, eighties. Um, like sort of modern, like this sort of stuff. And the girl that I'm wearing, the artist, um, Tisha Nagel or whatever, you know, the classic 80s, 80s um, artist. But we were kind of thinking that stuff, uh, but with the UFOs and all that. So the name was kind of, you know, we we're, we were keeping it like that. But then um, in the first few releases that we did, our first few EPs and all this sort of stuff that we have, uh, Christian singing on them. They have songs. They're all, you know, they're like um, electro-funk um, indie, but electro funk um, sort of stuff. And then in the last few years, uh, when the pandemic hit, 
um, we went and recorded a couple albums live to tape in, in Austin, Texas. Uh, sorry, not in Austin, but in Texas. And, um, and it's instrumental. So the last couple of records and this new record that's coming out is basically instrumental music, you know. So it's a little bit of a change. So, um, yeah, so I don't know what to call it anymore, man. I'm like <laughs> electro, funk, instrumental. I don't know. You know, I don't even know what to call it, you know. So, so I was looking at some videos and stuff online yesterday, just doing a bit of research and stuff. And you mentioned that, that early intergalactic stuff, Christian singing on it. Yeah. One song, one song I came across. The the music video was actually a whole bunch of the, the cats here in Sydney, right, playing along and singing along, and you know, it's like a big, a whole bunch of friends sort of, yeah, you know, have have done a recording and it's all been put together in, into this video. I think it's fucking great. Yeah, the song's called "The Now." Is that the one you're talking about? I think so. Yep, that's the one. Yeah, so that was that was our idea was to just try and involve people and and and. And also, if you look at the video, we we had one massive party at, at Christian's uh, Christian's place. We moved all the furniture. We had like I don't know, man. We had too many people in there, but we made it just fun. And then uh, we got people to just you know send us some stuff, like just send send us videos of themselves miming to it, playing to it, whatever it was. And then yeah, then we compiled it. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun to do, man. It's a cool track too. That was also. That was also produced by Maxwell and right. um, Dutch Duke. Yeah, so we wrote that um, and obviously played on it and stuff, but they produced that track. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's fantastic. So, so the the new yeah. so so the 2022 album um, Evolution of right. So was that uh-huh. so that was one of the one of the albums that you recorded live to tape in Texas? Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it's kick ass, man. I, I've I've been listening to the album the last couple of days. It's really cool, oh, man. Thanks, it's just bro. That, Thank yeah. you. And um, what you guys were doing too is you were um, it was like these little short videos you were doing on on Instagram. Yes, living a Tuesday. Living a Tuesday. That's right. So just yeah. you two guys. Sometimes you're in the sometimes you're in the same room. Sometimes you're not. But you just you're just playing. It's it's just a a riff. Or I don't know if they were they were parts of songs that are going on albums or they're just sort of jams, just jams you came up with. But I'll tell you what, that that shit got me through COVID, man. I, I would wake up, oh wow, get on Instagram and see that and, you know, just shit like that makes you smile, man. It makes, you know, it was fantastic. Oh, that's so great to hear, Steve, man. Like, yeah, so basically when we started that, we started in 2019 and we called it Living a Tuesday um, because we were dropping them every Tuesday and we, and, we, and we said no covers. We're not doing covers of any songs. Each yeah. week is going to be a fresh new idea. I mean, yeah. you know, not all of them are the best, but what we did, we did that consistently for a couple of years. And yeah. then, or actually maybe a year and a half was then COVID hit, but we had enough options of these ideas that we put down, which were all new and fresh and our, like our creations. Um, and so we, we, we then took the best ones that we like and then added and wrote to those and made them, you know, what you hear now on that first record and this next record that we're dropping. Uh, but, yeah, definitely started from that, man, Living a Tuesday. And and that's how we ended up doing a festival in the Philippines um, just before the pandemic hit. And we're actually going there again now in March, middle of March, to do the same festival. Um, basically, it was the, the, guy, the, the guy that runs it, Miro, uh, runs the festival. He's been running for over 10 years. He loved our stuff from those videos. So... 
it was just <laughs> uncanny how we got this gig and how the the like the attention for that and we just we've started doing it again and the last video yeah, yeah. we dropped not the last one i think the one before man we were over like 60,000 views or something like that and <laughs> yeah. we, we it's just organic and i'm like how the hell did we even do that so um there's something about those things i don't know man but like i said our whole thing is to we're not doing covers or other people's music we're just going to do these little jams and then you know um just put them out there you know yeah i just think they they just produce so well they sound they sound so good but you're also hooked into the, the fact that you know you're both just grooving man you just you just you're having a fucking great time while you're sitting in a room and, and playing this music together it's fucking great i love it yeah it's, yeah it's really yeah, good it's, it's infectious and it's making me smile just sort of talking about it and thinking about it so um oh that's awesome that's good to know man but yeah but when you see us that we're like you know the camera split it means that we're both on tour or one of us is on tour yeah, and yeah. we just can't be in the same room so we just still make it work though oh, um works, and yeah yeah it's a lot of fun man it's a lot of fun and we, we, we have, we're having a ball with it you know that's cool so tell me about well actually before i ask you about the new album one thing i'm not a guitarist right i'm a i'm a drummer bass player podcaster (laughs) the gibson les paul is not really synonymous to funk music right but (laughs) that's like um that's kind of your signature i think right i mean you do you just play well from what i've seen you just play all that stuff on a les paul right so can you tell me how how that came about and what and was it was it by design that you grabbed the Les Paul, you know, to play funk music with, or is it actually the way that, you know, that's that's your sound? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it does make sense. The funny thing is, man, I <laughs> the funny thing was, I have never been a Les Paul player. Like I I I played the Les Paul on that holiday record, right? Um, for EWF that I was that I mentioned. That was the first time. I kind of played the Les Paul that much on a record and whatever. Um, and then when I got the gig, that was the guitar that just made the most sense because the, the other guitar player, Morris O'Connor, he plays more of a Strat style guitar. Um, and, and Al McKay always played like a three, three, five. Right. And so I was like, well, okay, I'm going to play the Les Paul, but I, I had to be, so this sounds so weird. I was a Strat guy. I've been a Strat guy and, you know, all I can the see a strap. There's a strap right behind you. <laughs> oh, there's absolutely. Yeah, there's a couple Off of your left shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but so 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 what happened was is that I kind of had to adapt on the Les Paul to play this gig. And ever since then, it's funny that you asked that question. I get asked that a lot. Um, yeah. and I was never the Les Paul guy. But it's so funny. I'm getting a lot more talk about that because of, of the Les Paul and the thing is there has been other guys doing it man I mean we, we can talk about you know Tower of Power um, we can talk about a whole bunch of stuff but you know there's it has been around but the thing is it's yep. not common exactly it's definitely not common but I just find that maybe it's the Les Paul that I've got I didn't change the pickups on it I just bought it it's a 2012 model I just love it and mm. It just has this thing, and so I. Um, it definitely is a different sound to a strap, but the thing is, you can still make it pop and make it do all these things that are just kind of a little bit different to the strap. But 
man, I think it just cuts through differently, you know. So, so yeah, for me, I've kind of – it's just the guitar I play now all the time. I just – I don't know. I've just – I've really gotten to – I've, like, get to, got to know it um, and – you know, and even when I'm on the road and I do sessions remotely, I do a fair few sessions remotely. So um, I love doing it. So if anyone wants to hit me up, I'm, I'm always down for doing sessions. Um, but the thing is, with the Les Paul that I've got, um, the, the the tone knobs and the volume knobs, um, you can pull them up, and what they do is they split the pickups and give you a few different sounds. I only use that when I'm recording and I've got the one guitar and I want to try and get a couple of different sounds for whatever the session is that I'm doing. Um, but live... It's stock, all the things are down, everything's up. Middle position is my rhythm sound. And that's it. That's that's the sound, you know. Easy. So yeah. It's it's really funny that I get asked that a lot, but I never started out being a Les Paul guy. Like actually that's my the first Les Paul that I've ever owned. Can you believe that? Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, yeah, that's not it's not vintage, right? You just said two thousand twelve. So two thousand twelve. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I've got another beautiful a black beauty. Um, which yep. I got um, gifted to me by um, someone very special to me, and it was, it was the most amazing, amazing, amazing gift I've ever received. But, but yeah, but that Les Paul, the gold top, is, yeah, 2012, a standard. It's got nothing yep. that's like, you know, and, it's it, man, if I showed it to you, it's it's beaten up now. It's got, like, it's, yeah, it's yeah, really, yeah. really well-worn in. I love it. It's just, and it's just, I mean, it's going green, which Les Pauls do after a while. They start turning this um, certain green colour. Um, but, yeah, man, I've gotten to really, really, like, love it, you know. Right. So how many guitars have you, do you own currently? Oh, I'd say there's about 20 or so somewhere, you know. Okay. I have a, okay. I have a few guitars also on the trucks with a, yep. my other gear and stuff. So of course. a couple of acoustics, excuse me, a um, couple of acoustics and um, some electrics and stuff. But, yeah, but pretty much, you know, I'd say around that from sitars and basses and, you know, ukuleles and a whole bunch of stuff. You know, there's there's quite yep. a few things there. You know. So, so most of that stuff, it's it's um it's stuff you're going to use, right? So you're not really just collecting it because it's a certain guitar and you don't play it. You're not not one of those guys. Or I play all my I I, no, I play all my guitars. These are tools. They're tools for me, man. I I, I can't justify spending ten grand on a <laughs> guitar and just letting it sit there. Like it's, I, I actually play yeah. them, you know what I mean? So for me, everything that I have I, is is because of the sound or it's another sound that I can use and have because you know, I, I still do sessions and um I need to be prepared for whatever the client might want or artist or whoever I'm working for. So yeah, I still I, I like I said, the guitars and stuff and I collect even keyboards, I, I collect that and recording gear and, and all that sort of nonsense. Um but yeah, yeah, it's everything that I have is the yeah, I definitely play, you know. Yeah, that's cool. So amplification. So do, do you use stuff like a, you know, like amp modeling, Kemper, that you know, a, um, what do they call them, Axe Effects? Do you yeah, no, use that kind of stuff, or are you just an amp? You just an amp guy. Live, I'm an amp guy, man. I do amps. Uh, I'm, I'm endorsed by a beautiful company. I love the amps. They've been my favorite. It's a company called Bad Cat. Um, they're very, very well known. Um, I've been using them for the last couple of years. And so live, I use all that. But when I'm in, like when I'm at home uh, or if I, especially on the road and I've got to do a session, I don't have the luxury of micing stuff up like I can at home or whatever. So I have, um, I use a Line 6 Helix um, thing, which is basically uh, a modeler 
and it's one of the one of the ones that's up there with the Kempers or the Axe Effects and stuff. Slightly different, but I'm always looking at you know um, what's what's good with all that stuff. So that's what I use only for like I said for for sessions that I um, I'm for like I said for one on the road or two. Um, it doesn't need. I don't need to mic my my setup up. There's more options there, depending on what the job is. But but that's that's pretty much it. But yeah, live. Oh man, all amp, amp and yeah, cool and valves and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's talk about the new album. Um, when it's coming out? Tell me when it's coming out. The new uh, Intergalactics album. The yeah, new Intergalactics will be out um, this year. We're we're in the process of finalising some mixes. Got about maybe four or five songs to mix. Um, and then we need some mastering. Got some artwork on the way, and so yeah, you know, I mean, it takes it takes a sec, but um, I'm hoping uh, by summer, you know, or, or American summer, which will be like yep. end of June, you know, kind of thing. So I'm hoping that we can get it out before then. But that's that's kind of like a deadline I'd like to keep, you know. And it, and it's and it, and it, and I was going to say yes, it's going to be like the one with the one that we released because. The way we did these two albums, we basically went into the studio um, in Texas for about th- uh, three days, I think he was. We bought a tape, two-inch tape. We went into the studio. We had uh, 20 songs or 18 songs or whatever it was and whatever, a whole bunch of stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we just um, we recorded all of that stuff live and now we split it into two records. Instead of one massive one with like you know 18 like we've we kind of split it into two so <clears throat> so those are the same sessions as that as the one we just released but they're obviously different gotcha. songs but um yeah so the feel and the sound will be very much cohesive same, because yeah. it was done at the same same at the same studio it was the same sessions on the same tape that we keep wiping over with the next song and next song so yeah yeah so um so that's, oh, that's what, cool. what, what 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 you can expect the next record to be you know that's great um, if you got some touring coming up with Earthman and Fire, yeah, man, I've got I've got a fair bunch coming up. I've got um, we do also corporate gigs, you know. So there's a handful of those that uh, you know, obviously aren't public, and so you won't see them on any of the sites. Uh, but yes, there's a Lionel Richie tour again that we're doing come May, end of April into May. We're doing that again. We just did that last year for a couple of months around the country and into Canada. It was, Man, that was mind blowing, you know. Um, especially his catalogue as well. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, we've got that happening, and then straight after that, we've got a few of our own things, and then then we hit the road with the, the group Chicago for a couple of months. Oh, cool! Um, going going through America and Canada. We've done since I've been in the band. Well, the both bands have had had a thing back in like two thousand nine or something. They did a tour together, and I think they released a DVD. And then since I joined the band, we've done about two or three tours together. Um, and then, you know, we haven't done that since probably 2016 maybe. 16? Yeah, probably around then. And then um, and so now I think by popular demand or whatever it is, we're, we're doing that again. So we'll be, we'll be co-headlining with them, like I said, around the country and, um, and Canada for a couple of months, you know. And then the finale of those shows is both bands on stage together playing, which is like 22 people, man. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. So so there's that. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Well, just on that then, 22 guys on stage, right. So as a guitar player, one of how many guitar players will be on stage? 
Well, it'll be myself and Morris, the other guitar player, going through the fire, and I think just one yeah. guitar player for. Oh, only um, three. Okay, all right. That's not. That's yeah. Not too so bad. it's not just too bad. bad. We've, we've worked it out before. Yeah, you've worked it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So outside the Earth, Wind, and Fire stuff, outside of Intergalactics, um, what else have you got going on? Um, I'm in the process of just writing, recording. I haven't done a like a an EP of my own stuff, just guitar playing sort of stuff, you know. So I've been really trying to work on that to get that out because it's everyone sort of asks, and I'm like, I, I haven't done. I've always played on other people's, or even with Intergalactics, it's very um, specific as to what what we do with that. But you know, I, I listen to so much music, man. I'm into everything, so <clears throat> I just want to, um, yeah. I need to get a little EP out of my just guitar playing stuff, self indulgent guitar playing, yeah. you know, no just shredding, rules, just whatever I feel kind of thing. Yeah, maybe I don't know. know. <laughs> you know, Mom's, I don't know. Mom, some of you might stuff. Style. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely, I got. I got. I got. Um, I got to get back to my Steve Vai and yeah. Ingvae Malmsteen roots. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's what I've been working on. I've just been sort of coming up coming up with those tracks so I can um, you know have them ready to release. So I've just been working on it so slowly. Um, so I've got that um, a lot of stuff with Intergalactics. Um, we've got a lot of shit that we're going to be doing. Um, I do a lot of art and stuff like that. I want to start getting some of my art oh, that cool. I do and stuff on my website. My website's just been sort of um, getting that together. So once that's done, it's the same handle as my um, my Instagram name, which is Surge D Music. And so, um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll post that. But yeah, so like I said, my website. I'm working on that. That's almost done. And once I get that up, I'll be able to sort of post more stuff and just more content and. Uh, like I said, I want to have a little store there where I can sell some stuff that I've been just doing in my spare time, artwork and anything like that. So, yeah, man, just a few things. Just trying to stay busy, you know, and practicing. Yeah, just always practicing yeah. and, and trying to stay on top of that, you know. So Yeah, right. So, yeah. so how, how, how often do you practice? And, and when you're practicing, are you practicing for, you practicing for maintenance or are you working on – you know, uh, you work it. You're working on concepts. Oh, I think it's all, all of the above. You know, I um, I try to play every day. You know, every day. So the thing is, sometimes it's like I was just in Australia, as as you know, when I met you, and um, and when I do that, like the end of the year or you know the beginning of the year, I will take some time off from playing because it's like I I need to. I need to live life and experience it. So when I get back on it, I've missed, you know. So, I mean, I still, even when I was in Australia, I still had my guitar that I'd play at night, but it's not like, you know, um, every other day. But there were some days I didn't. So for me, what I like to do is that I'd like to stay, you know, in good maintenance, <laughs> you know. So um, I will always try and just, you know, do that. But then there's things that I do work on for sure, man. Um, always trying to get better or just trying to open up concepts, ideas. Uh, I watch a lot of stuff online, man, and, and YouTube and just sit there and, you know, I'll watch guys playing, oh, that's a good idea or what the hell are they doing? I'll try and learn that stuff or whatever it is. But um, it's really different every day, you know, because like, like now once I get off the phone with you, I've got a couple of rehearsals tomorrow and Thursday and then I'm, I've got a lot of songs to learn. So I'm just going to be, <laughs> like last night to one in the morning and then now after I get off the phone, there's just going to be song, learning songs. So I'm still playing, but it's a different type of thing, you know, where I'm actually playing and learning these things. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be consistent, you know. So, you know, otherwise it's like when you don't play for a while, it's like, oh, man, 
need to <laughs> feel like you know, need to spend a day just doing like exercises and just warming up techniques and all that sort of stuff, you know. What about you, man? Are you playing? Are you still doing stuff? Oh, I, 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 I haven't actually actively played drums in in a couple of years now. Um, but I did have a bit of a hit out on on Boxing Day. Yeah, got to have a jam with some friends, which was great fun. Um, Good. But yeah, the thing you know, well, I've, Good, got, I've got just I don't have space in my house to be able to set drums up like this little room I've got here. This is sort of my space, and I've got. The, you know, the racks here have got all my drums on it. I've got a keyboard back there and i got my – I mean, I still play my bass. I've got my bass. I got. I bought a little Mark bass sort of practice rig that I've got just here nice. and I, I still jam along to that stuff. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not out there playing, man. I, okay. Yeah. Not, you know, it, it'll come back, but no, at you. the moment, nah, nah. I'm just happy to talk about music, man. Yeah. Love it. Oh, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this and, you know um, – you're doing a great job and you're, you're great questions and it's just, just nice to be able to share some stuff and get people to hear it, you know, and just to see what 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 this crazy thing called music looks like when you're doing it for a living kind of thing, you know. Yeah, that's great, man. Thanks for the kind words. And, yep, again, thanks for hanging out and uh, next time you're back in Sydney, um, l- let us know when you're coming back and, yeah, we'll, we'll go and watch another band together and, Absolutely, we'll grab a couple of beers, mate, for sure. For, for sure, bro. All right, Serge, look after yourself, brother, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. No worries. Thank you so much, Stevie. I really appreciate it, mate. See ya. Too good, bud. See ya. Yo, it's Stevie here. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you dig the Gig Life podcast, please subscribe, share, leave a review. Please follow us on Instagram and TikTok. You can send me a message if you have an idea for a guest or if you just want to say hello. This podcast is free, costs you nothing. But if you find the value in the Gig Life podcast, you can leave a tip or donation. Um, Links are in the show notes on your app. That's it for me for now. Catch you next time, guys. Cheers.